This is a CSIS podcast series conducted by the Technology and Public Policy Program, where experts are interviewed on key issues relating to cybersecurity. We're speaking with Stuart Baker, a partner in the Washington office of Steptoe & Johnson, LLP. He was formerly First Assistant Secretary for Policy at the Department of Homeland Security. Mr. Baker, thank you for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. Great. Um, so we're going to start. Where should cyber red lines be drawn? So I think red lines are out of favor these days because they haven't worked out so well uh, for the administration. So, uh, and, and maybe that's a lesson we should learn in this area. Um, we're really talking about two different things we don't like. Uh, we don't like the prospect of people attacking us, causing things to fail, and we don't like uh, having people break into our systems and steal all our, our secrets. Uh, and both of those could produce a red line, but the consequences would be different. And I'm not sure I would, in either case, use a red line. But uh, um, in terms of cyber espionage, I think we should say you're over the red line. You know, anything we can do to make you regret your campaign in massive uh, commercial espionage, uh, and it's probably not just China, it's others as well, uh, we're going to do. Um, we have not done that. Uh, it's as though we don't think it's that serious. Uh, and I know people in the administration would deny that, but they are not treating this very seriously. Uh, example, um, we have identified people who are breaking into our networks today or did in the past. We know their names, their blogs, their, their, their current employers, their phone numbers. Um, and they're not extraditable, but we can certainly uh, punish them or raise the prospect of punishment in other fashions. Uh, uh, we have a whole set of programs where we identify drug kingpins and human rights abusers and we say no one in the United States can do business with them and uh, we try to bring money laundering sanctions against people who do do that. Uh, we could do the same thing with uh, the people who we know from the intelligence we've gathered have broken into many, many companies, many uh, government agencies, and in many cases, human rights groups as well. Uh, so uh, I think we are over the red line in terms of the espionage, and the real problem is finding the will and the tools to begin retaliating. Um, and. Uh, you know, the problem is the administration thought that um, naming and shaming was our best option, and they started down that road and got ambushed by the Snowden stuff, and that whole uh, strategy is in disarray. Uh, we need to go back to it and start asking the question, what can we do about people who've broken into our networks um, uh, to make them regret their choice of uh, profession. And, and I think there are plenty of things that we can do. We have not yet shown the kind of imagination and the determination that we need. So that's uh, on espionage. On cyber attacks, we haven't been the victim of a lot of cyber attacks. We have something that most people are uh, blaming on the Iranians, uh, this kind of uh, scheduled barrage in which they deny service for a couple hours on a schedule. Uh, uh, that's so patently uh, a pulled punch that it must be sending the message, we could do worse, but we choose not to uh, live in fear of us. Uh, uh, 
and obviously we have taken that and the press reports suggest that uh, the administration has quite deliberately uh, chosen not to retaliate even though they could do a wide variety of things in retaliation including entirely in cyberspace um, I'm not sure that's smart but I wouldn't call what the Iranians have done a red line in the sense it means we're going to uh, attack them in some formal way. We probably need, instead of talking about red lines, we need a whole bunch of lines uh, in which we do different things at different levels of pain. Um, I also question whether we should have a red line in which we say, if you do this for sure, we're going to war or we're going to do something really bad. Um, uh, that implies that if you do anything short of that, we won't. Uh, and uh, I don't know that that's true politically, and I don't know that it's wise strategically. It's like when we said, uh, we announced that our what our uh, strategic interests were in uh, Asia, and we left out South Korea, and, you know, the, the communists said, oh, well, fine, I guess they don't care about us. <laughs> I, and you could get the same kind of miscommunication. I think ambiguity on that point does no great harm as long as people, as long as our adversaries believe that we actually have the will and the capability to do harm if we choose to. Um, I little, worry a little that what's happening with Iran implies that we might not have that will, and, and that's a little troubling. Right. Okay. Well, great. Thank you. Um, how do you think the government uh, should play a role encouraging companies to adopt cyber defenses? So uh, this is hard. Um, I'm a big believer that uh, industry needs to do more, uh, that they probably won't do more without a lot of prodding because it's not convenient and it's, it's expensive, it's, it's painful to do cybersecurity. Uh, um, but many of the tools that you ordinarily use in this area aren't going to work because uh, I, I know because I've used them. I, and um, regulation, I, I had regulations that had a fair win from the president, the secretary on down, and we just had to get them done. And it took us close to two years to get those regulations from the beginning to the end. So to change a regulation even in the best of circumstances, is a couple of years and often three, four. Um, in three or four years, the attackers are going to change tactics ten times. So uh, if you're counting on updating your regs as fast as the bad guys change their tactics, you're, you're not using reg uh, uh, regulations or you're not using them in a traditional way. So I don't see how that works. Um, the administration is moving, and I think this is, you know, about as good as you can expect, but it's got lots of problems toward what looks like a fairly procedural set of standards. The, the framework um, is uh, a kind of uh, paint the golden gate, gate bridge solution. You know, start here, assess your problems, begin work. Uh, um, when you get to the other end, figure out what you need to do and start over again. And you just, uh, uh, or as they say on the bottle, of the, the shampoo bottle, you know, uh, uh, lather, rinse, repeat. Uh, and so that lather, rinse, repeat cycle is something you can do in this context too. You can say, all right, I'm going to assess what my problems are. 
I'm going to figure out what I need to do to fix them. I'm going to fix them. I'm going to assess whether I have really fixed them or whether I have new problems. I'm going to solve any problems and come up with a solution to any problems I haven't solved or that are new. And I'm going to implement that. I'm going to do an assessment and, and on and on and on. And, and so that's clearly something you have to do in this world. Um, as a government requirement, though, it's pretty lame because it, it doesn't really tell you what you need to do. It just tells you what procedures to follow. Uh, it's like saying, you know, I'm a lawyer. What does that mean? Well, you come into the office at 8.30 and you uh, answer mail and write briefs and file documents uh, and argue cases and then you go home. You kind of say, that's it? No, there's a whole bunch of substance to it too that isn't captured by that procedural approach. Uh, I, and I don't... Capturing that, of course, requires that you be completely up to date and you get back into the reg and the update problem. And I mean... God bless NIST. Um, they've been working really hard, and they've had lots and lots of pressure from the president to get this done, and it's still going to take them nearly a year to get a procedural uh, standard on the street. And it's not even one standard. It's like, here's some standards. Choose among them. I, you know, that's There's an old joke, right? Uh, the great thing about standards is so, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> this is, you know, the, <laughs> NIST is telling that joke uh, in the Federal Register. Um, so it doesn't completely solve the problem. Uh, and at the same time, it runs the risk that it'll create liability. It's a kind of check-the-box solution. Did, mm -hmm. you, did you have a meeting on this? Did you analyze this? Did you think about this? You say, yes, I did, yes, I did, yes, I did. I'm done. Uh, so people who don't care will just do it as a paperwork exercise. People who do care may do it, but if they are focused on the problem and not on the process, they could easily skip a stage. And then if something goes wrong and there's a lawsuit in which they're accused of not following uh, the standards which any reasonable man would follow, uh, you could end up a lot with liability for somebody who actually was working pretty hard to implement good security. So there's lots of, of, of problems there. That said, I think um, the government is one, giving people a framework, that's a good thing for, for work. Two, raising the issue, although they've gone kind of quiet since every time they bring it up now, Snowden comes back at them. Uh, but I think they just need to suck it up and start talking about it anyway. Uh, uh, and then um, it may be that they could do more, I actually think they could do more, to start talking about exactly who's stealing exactly what from which American companies. Uh, everything we know about um, cyber attacks, we know not because of the government, but because some brave private company decided to publish a report about what they knew. Now, the government knew this for years, and it was too classified to talk about. Uh, and, and, and so, uh, and nobody really believed there was a crisis until they started reading independent private reports. Uh, I think the government should get over that uh, and and start finding a way to release detailed information about you know, the number of teams in which countries are breaking into which industries and stealing what kind of stuff to benefit which private local uh, companies. Uh, um, and that, uh, I think, uh, would help us very much um, among companies to, to really focus on the problem, 
maybe if there were more disclosures in which people were encouraged to say, based on what the government is telling us about the kind of attackers and tactics that we see, we think it was probably these guys. And then, if you're a, an investor, you can say, whoa, if these guys were broken into by the Iranians and their principal competitor is an Iranian company, I think they lost all their intellectual property to the Iranian company. Maybe I want to sell the stock. Um, that's a perfectly material um, consideration. Whereas being told in a general way, well, yes, we have cybersecurity problems and we can't guarantee that you can uh, always exclude intruders from our system, which is what people tend to say now, tells, tells you nothing about what their competitive situation is. So those are the kinds of things that I think uh, they probably could do within the current capabilities of the government. Now to get them to do it. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> that's why I keep talking. <laughs> um, and the final question is, do you think any cohesive cyber legislation can make it through Congress? No. <laughs> no. It's a, it, uh, um, Casey Stengel is famous for um, uh, many things, but uh, one time he uh, had a second baseman who was having trouble uh, uh, fielding, at least in Stengel's view, uh, and Stengel went out, you know, after the uh, second baseman had missed two or three hot grounders, uh, Stengel said, <sighs> went out, said, give me the glove, let me show you how it's going. Pointed to the batter, said, uh, hit one over here. Uh, the batter hits a hot grounder uh, and it hits a little pebble, bounces up and uh, hits Stengel in the chest. And he takes off the glove, he throws it at the second uh, baseman and says, uh, you've screwed this position up so bad, nobody can play it. Uh, that's where we are on cyber legislation. Uh, because of the kind of uh, partisan divide that just got worse and worse as the legislation moved farther and farther into the uh, uh, Senate, um, everyone was encouraged to view it through a partisan lens. Uh, and uh, that meant that people took positions against it mainly because it was the president's idea. Uh, and uh, they're not going to change their mind. They've, they've taken a position. Uh, uh, and so um, there are just lots and lots of Republicans in particular. And frankly, almost everybody from a committee other than Homeland Security that sees this as not particularly good for them, not something that the Chamber of Commerce likes, uh, uh, and likely to diminish their turf. So why should they be for it if there isn't a, uh, um, a burning uh, call from the country for it? So uh, short of something bad happening, I'm guessing that legislation is not going to pass. And even CISPA, which had a, at least a shot, I think, uh, in the wake of Snowden and privacy issues, uh, um, it would have trouble uh, passing, uh, getting out of the Senate, and even went back to the House, I think we might have more trouble than we had last time. So uh, almost better to let it pine for the fjords a little, and uh, maybe in a, a year or two uh, take another look at it. I, do, I, I, 
I have tried to interest people, and you know, there's something, some possibility, um, in the idea that maybe going to taking another look at what private companies can do to defend themselves is an area that hasn't yet become profoundly partisanized. Um, I mean, we've got a problem. We've got these doofuses at the Justice Department that are still living in 1992 um, saying, oh, it might be illegal. Um, that's unfortunate, um, and uh, we really should explore that. Um, but for a variety of reasons, including, I think, um, a lack of enthusiasm among um, some people who are otherwise pretty strong on cybersecurity, like uh, Chairman Rogers. Not sure that's going to happen either, but I would like to see that, and I, I, I think uh, it would be nice if the chamber, which uh, pretty much plays the role of second baseman in my story, uh, uh, would get interested in something constructive in this area, and this might be it. Well, Mr. Baker, thank you for your insights and your time. All right, thank you.